The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Hey everybody, good morning. Good morning and welcome uh, welcome to Coastal Community Church. Great to have you with us today on uh, Tailgating Sunday. Um, wow, man, if, if, even if you're not a, a Clemson fan, what, a, what an exciting uh, day yesterday in college football, uh, especially for us Clemson fans because Georgia lost, Carolina lost, and uh, we won. So that's exciting. And uh, actually, I, I was going to wear, I have a... Uh, uh, a, a really nice uh, Nike, uh, you know, Clemson jersey. I was going to wear that. I wore it uh, at the uh, national championship game last year, and I went to my closet. I went to put it on, and it was as big as a house. It was, uh, it was so huge. I like it. I, you know, since then I've lost eighty three pounds now, and um, I've, I've put it on. So I've got my orange plaid on, and and just you know. Woo! So I've got Clemson, Clemson socks on this morning. So uh, anyway, we're going to have a lot of fun today. So again, just like Ryan said, after the service, just um, go outside. And, uh, you know, I, I, we just need that sometimes. We just need as a church just to have fun together and fellowship together. And uh, that's really what today is all about out, out there. So uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of food. There's more, I think there's enough barbecue to feed a small country out there. So uh, enjoy. And uh, we are asking, again, this is one of those Sundays where we say it's okay to, uh, to judge uh, we don't get to judge very often. We're not supposed to judge at all. But we do want you to vote today on your, it says, please vote for your favorite tailgate display. So what we mean really is just the overall tailgating experience out there. Whatever you believe is the best tailgating experience. And then next week we do have a little, uh, little prize for the winner. And we do have some little gifts next Sunday for all those uh, who participated in that as well. So anyway, uh, welcome. We're, we're so glad that you're here. There's a bunch of stuff going on in the life of our church at Coastal uh, a lot of stuff there in your bulletin. Uh, don't forget that October uh, is Operation Christmas Child uh, Month, and uh, there's a little flyer in there this morning uh, to kind of give you an idea of what to do, what to bring, what we need, uh, all that kind of stuff. And we are collecting all of these items really this entire month, and, uh, and then the last Sunday to bring stuff is uh, through November the 6th, because then on Friday the 11th we have a wrapping packing party uh, here at Coastal. So don't miss that. Uh, we have baptism coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, we've got uh, Children's Day at the end of the month. All that's there uh, inside your bulletin. Um, we are in week three of this series called uh, Unshakable. And uh, it's, it's one of those series where, you know, we, we've been giving away this Unshakable book this past year. And uh, I had a little uh, part in the book and and uh, it's, it's been a great, uh, a great resource for us. And so we want to do a series uh, kind of going along uh, with the book. Uh, Woody Allen once said, I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. Um, I don't know if you've ever felt that way before. But uh, the truth is, uh, all of us, every single one of us, we all have to learn to deal with death. Uh, death uh, is a part of life. Uh, in fact, the storm that I want us to talk about today is, is really how do you deal with the death of someone close to you? You know, how do you handle that? Uh, how do you walk through that? And how do you end up standing strong, uh, unshakable? Uh, in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, the Apostle Paul is trying to bring some comfort uh, to some people who've lost someone close to them, and he says this, And now, brothers and sisters, I want you to know what will happen to the person who has died, so that you will not be full of sorrow like people who have no hope. 
Now, I want you to circle a little phrase there in that, in that verse. I want you to circle the phrase, full of sorrow. You know, sometimes when we read uh, in English a passage of Scripture, uh, we, we sometimes will misinterpret uh, a passage a little bit. And I think sometimes Christians look at this verse and they read it as saying, okay, well, you know, when someone dies as Christians, you know, we're just supposed to grin and bear it, you know, put on a happy face and just pretend that nothing's wrong because after all, you know, we're Christians and everything is good and there's a heaven and we're supposed to be full of joy even in the midst of bad circumstances. Well, uh, there is a heaven and, and you and I should be full of joy. But, but this passage does not mean that it's not okay for believers to mourn and grieve. In fact, I, I believe the Bible is very clear that there are times of mourning. And, and we need to embrace those. And so this passage is not saying that, you know, it, it's, it's wrong, you know, to show emotion or wrong to weep at, at a funeral. Because when someone dies, we are sad. Um, we're sad about loss. We're sad that, uh, you know, you're left behind. Uh, you're sad that you're going to miss them. So the Bible's not saying that it's wrong uh, to mourn. But, but that phrase there, uh, full of sorrow, it, it could be translated inordinate sorrow. In other words, what the Bible really is saying here is that as believers, we don't have to have such sorrow, such inordinate amount of sorrow when somebody dies. In other words, yes, absolutely, we should grieve and we should mourn. But what he's saying is that, in a way, it doesn't really have to knock us off of our faith completely. You know, when, when we started this series, we, we talked about the story that Jesus taught on uh, two different people. Remember one he called foolish because that person built their life on uh, a, a shifting sand, not a strong foundation. And then the other person Jesus called wise because they built their life on the rock. Well, the person who builds their life on, on shifting sand, you know, they're going to face death like anybody else, but because their life is not on solid footing, they have a tendency to be knocked down, to be shaken. Um, they're going to experience what he's talking about here, this inordinate amount of sorrow. But when you build your life on the rock, you know, when you build your life on, remember we talked about listening to God's word and doing what it says and that personal relationship with Christ? Sure, death is going to come your way. You're going to mourn. You're going to grieve. You're going to weep. But it doesn't have to completely shake you and destroy you. In fact, many places the Bible tries to prepare us for death. In fact, again, in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is wanting us to kind of understand, you know, what happens a little bit when people die. And he says this in chapter 5, verse 1. It says, For we know... That when this earthly tent we live in is taken down. In other words, when we die and we leave these bodies, he says as believers we're going to have a home in heaven. An eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Now, um, before we talk about how to face death with 
uh, unshakable faith. What, I, what I'd like to do this morning is I want all of you to kind of think back in your mind to that very first time when death became a reality for you. You know, when was that? What were the circumstances? You know, how old were you? Were you little? Were you a little bit older? You know, maybe for you it could have been, uh, you know, when you were growing up, it could have been the loss of a pet. When death became a reality, it could have been, you know, again, as, as a young child, maybe a grandparent. Uh, for me personally, um, it was when I was about, I think I was about nine or ten years old, and we had a, you know, a household pet. It was a, we had a black lab uh, named Rock. And because, uh, you know, we like to rub the rock. So um, anyway, by the way, I also had a black lab at one point named Fridge because he was going to be big and black like William Refrigerator Perry. So, you know, my kind of thinking about pet names anyway. So um, but uh, but rock died. And, and honestly, I was devastated. Sure, he was the family pet, but kind of everybody knew uh, he was mine. Um, and then many of you have heard my story before. You know, when I was uh, when I was 12, uh, my parents uh, separated, and uh, I stayed with my mom, and I have an older brother that went and lived with my dad. Uh, the following year, before my parents, uh, before they divorced, before the divorce was final, my dad died, and uh, my whole world just turned upside down. And I experienced a pain that I had never known before. Um, and that was the very first funeral that I really remember, you know, going to, uh, the funeral of my dad. And the body of my dad, you know, was the very first dead body that I remember seeing. And I don't remember a, a lot about the funeral itself, but I do remember sitting there, and I remember just being kind of in a fog. Um... My brother continued to uh, live with my uh, dad's side of the family, kind of disowned my mom and our family. And um, from that point on in my life, I really had no relationship whatsoever uh, with my brother, and neither did my mom for the most part. Uh, our lives kind of went in very, very different directions. Well, on Tuesday morning of this week, as I was uh, preparing for this message, on dealing with the death of a loved one. I got a phone call telling me that my brother died on, on Monday night. And if you read uh, my email uh, Friday 5 this week, uh, then you also know that you know, my brother was a drug addict. And uh, as I said, we, our lives went in very different directions for a long, long time. And uh, so I had to call my mom this week and tell her that her firstborn uh, son was dead. Um, death is tough. No way around that. Uh, today's message might be tough for many of you. But I do believe that if you'll listen closely and if you'll allow the Word of God to become a part of your life, I really, really do believe that even in the midst of a terrible storm, there is hope. And you can find that solid ground and those eternal principles that really do last. And I know that. I know it personally.
So with all that in mind, let's talk about how to, how to face death and be unshakable. Number one, turn immediately to God. Turn immediately to God. James 4.8 says it this way, draw close to God and God will draw close to you. Did you know that? That God wants to draw close to you if you'll choose to draw close to him. Now the truth is, I think as believers, you know, we kind of struggle with this a little bit. I mean, you know, when you're experiencing such deep loss, how do you do that? I mean, you know, what does that even look like? You know, one of, the, one of my heroes of the faith uh, struggled with this as well. His name is Charles Spurgeon, and uh, he pastored the Metropolitan Baptist Tabernacle in London, England in the 1800s. Uh, at the time, it was the, uh, the largest church in the world. And uh, on October the 18th, 1866, he had to face death in a very kind of odd, strange occurrence, um, one that really affected him for the rest of his life. Uh, he was teaching in a, in a large kind of gathering, and there were about 10,000 people present. Uh, the problem, though, was that the arena that they were in was too small for that number of people, and uh, somebody yelled fire, and hundreds of people were injured as chaos erupted, and seven people ended up dying that night as he's teaching. And, you know, if you, if you read Spurgeon's writings, the rest of his life, that really haunted him. It really had an effect on him that, that seven people died that night while he is you know, sharing the good news of the gospel. And so he questioned God a lot, and he had a lot of issues that he just struggled you know, with, with figuring out. But then he did what this verse says, and he drew close to God. And in return, God drew close to him. And he began to recognize some truth that, that helped him through that season, navigate that. And fortunately for us, he wrote some of his words down, and they've served as an encouragement to a lot of Christians over the years. I hope they are an encouragement to you as well. Here's what Spurgeon said about death. He said, God is too wise to be mistaken, and God is too good to be unkind. When you can't trace his hand, you can always trust his heart. You know, when you lose someone that's close to you, if you try to trace the hand of God in, in that circumstance, listen to me, you will be distraught and bearing a load that God never intended for you to bear. I mean, your head's going to be spinning, you're going to be trying to make sense of something that really doesn't make any sense. But if you'll choose just to draw close to God and to trust his heart and acknowledge that ultimately he is a good God. He will draw close to you and he will become a source of comfort. And in your pain, you will experience God in an entirely new and different way and he'll begin to show you just how gracious he can be, how kind he is. He, he will remind you that we do, we do live in a very imperfect world and that nobody nobody gets out of you know nobody gets out unscathed on this one okay it affects all of us no one no one is immune to sorrow and death and and struggle and pain but here's the key god says i can be there for you if you'll draw close to me 
You know, David in the Bible, uh, the shepherd, the king, king David, he faced some really big losses in his own life. And during one particular season, he penned some words that, that you and I uh, now call the 23rd Psalm. And it is, it's such a, a source of encouragement. In fact, it is read at, you know, most funerals uh, to help people who are hurting during a time of loss. In fact, verse 4 is probably the most famous verse of that psalm. It says this, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Four of the most powerful words in the entire Bible. Right, underline that phrase, you are with me. God says, listen, when you go through a storm, I am, I am right there. I'm right there with you. I'm not, you know, sitting up in heaven just kind of, you know, cheering you on from the sidelines. You know, oh, I hope you make it. No, he says, I'm there. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you through this. And, and it's in, those, in these times when you walk with God that you're no longer just talking about him, that you're talking to him. And you're sensing, man, he is right here. And he's there. He's there to protect me. In fact, David says, your rod and your staff, they, they comfort me. The rod and the staff is what a shepherd would use to protect the sheep, to direct the sheep. And God says, listen, not only am I going to be there to walk with you and to comfort you, but I'm going to fight for you. I, I'm going I'm to direct you. I'm going to protect you. But we have to draw close to God. Now, I want you to hear this. Doing that, drawing close to God, does not mean that the pain is going to go away immediately. It doesn't mean that at all. But what will happen is that God will begin to lead you and direct you through a process of healing. And so when we do that, when we draw to God, I think what God is saying to us is, you have my full permission to mourn and to grieve. Listen, grief is okay. You know, it's okay to walk through this. The question then really is, the question you need to ask yourself is whether or not you've given yourself permission to mourn. And that's really step number two. Give yourself permission to mourn. You know, when you, when you suffer a loss, the loss of someone close to you, healing will come, but I do believe that it comes in stages. And, and God doesn't expect you to act any, any other way than how you're feeling in that moment. You know, the Bible says there's a time to cry, there's a time to laugh, there's a time to grieve, there's a time uh, to dance. Deep loss is going to produce deep emotions of sorrow and grief, and that is okay. You know, David, who we just talked about, he was well acquainted with grief. In fact, the Bible says that, tells us how he had to face the death of his infant son. And when he did, he wrote these words in, in Psalm 119, 28. He says, I, will, I weep with grief. And so, as you go through these stages, understand that, that grief and mourning happens that way. In other words, Everybody in this room, it, you, we all grieve differently, and that needs to be okay. But in grieving differently, we do kind of all travel through similar stages. In fact, 
1969, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross published what's now you know, a classic book on death and dying. And she defined for us uh, what she calls the stages of death. And, and what's interesting is that these stages do mirror very closely to what the Bible says we go through uh, in, in dealing with uh, grief and th- this process, these stages. First of all, uh, there is denial. In, in the sense that many times you, you don't even want to acknowledge it, you don't want to talk about it um, at, at all. And, uh, and, and that's very normal and very natural. And then it leads very easily, or it can, to, to anger. And I want you to hear this loud and clear from your pastor. It's very easy to be angry at God. Man, I remember as a kid, I, I'll tell you, I was. I was angry. I was angry at the world, angry at... My mom, angry at my dad, angry. I was angry at God. And, and I want to encourage you, when you feel that come, draw close to him. Let him be, even in your anger, your source of encouragement. Now here's what I've learned. And I've learned it personally. And I've shared this countless times with over the years, as a pastor, with more people that I can count, and I think people need to hear this today. God's love for you is big enough to handle your anger, even at Him. It's big enough. It's okay. He's not surprised. He understands. The next stage... Uh, is bargaining. You know, with with bargaining, I think this is where we are tempted to exchange the pain that we are experiencing in that moment for any type of temporary solution that will just make it go away. And I think that's why so many people, when they're suffering through grief, that they, they turn to substance abuse. They just... In that moment, they just want something and and feel like they have to have something that'll just remove the pain. Now the problem is, is that the pain comes back. And that's only very, very temporary. And a lot of times it comes back in a rush. And it comes back worse. And when you get into that cycle, it can very very easily lead to the next stage, which is depression. Now here's what happens, regardless of you know, if you've turned to anything or not, the, the truth is, here's what happens. The funeral's over, right? I mean, the funeral's over, visitation is over, you know, the food has stopped, uh, the phone calls for the most part have stopped, you know, weeks go by, and everybody else does what? Everybody else goes back to work. Everybody else kind of seems like they get back to life. And, and you're left dealing with the loss. And it's so easy for depression to creep in. But I promise you there is a final stage. And that's acceptance. Now, hear me loud and clear. When I, when I say acceptance, acceptance today, that doesn't mean that you're supposed to get over it. Okay? That doesn't mean that you just, well, you just move on. Listen, when you experience the loss of someone that's very close to you, I I really do believe that in in many ways you never really get over it, right? We're human. I mean, it's a part of you. It's a part of the rest of your life. What acceptance does mean is that you're able to acknowledge that God is still in control. 
and you trust his heart. I'm, I'm going to allow this to draw me closer to him, and I'm going to acknowledge that it, in some way, ultimately he has the ability, if I let him, to even use this for his glory and my good. And he may even use the pain in my life in somebody else's life. And man, that's what our God loves to do. He could take your greatest loss and allow you to be an encouragement to other people. Listen, this is tough. This is, a, this is tough to move through, but if you'll move through these stages, God says there is a promise. Listen to the words of Jesus. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be what? They'll be comforted. God wants to bless you. God wants to comfort you as you move through this process. God says, draw close to me. It's okay to mourn. But then God also says, be sure you don't do this on your own. That's, that's the third step. Step three, admit that I need support. Listen, if, if you just try to navigate this all by yourself, let me tell you, it's not going to go well. It will prolong your pain. And God goes out of his way over and over and over again, all throughout scripture, to show, to show us that he never expected us to face these kinds of things alone. You know, in Exodus 17, there's a story about Moses. You know, he's one of my favorite leaders. He's, he's in this battle, and God basically tells Moses, hey, as long as your arms are in the air, I'm going to give you the victory. But if they fall, defeat is certain. So we pick up the story in Exodus 17, verse 12. It says, Moses' arms finally became too tired to hold up the staff any longer. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on, and then they stood on each side of him, holding up his hands until sunset. Man, what a, what a beautiful picture of support. And listen, while you might not need someone literally standing there holding your arms during the battle that you're going through, or a literal battle, you are in this battle, and you do need people holding you up. You need people supporting you, encouraging you, holding up your emotions, holding up your hope. And I want you to hear this today, loud and clear. My goodness, this is what the church is for. This is what we are for. I mean, the church is a spiritual family. A family to help, you, to help you get through the storms of life, to hold you up. Listen, you and I are just a phone call away from having to face this type of challenge. And you were never meant to face that alone. You know, if you've been, you know, just nominally, uh, uh, you know, attending Coastal periodically, man... Join the church. Make a commitment. Make this family your family. Join a life group. Join, you know, be a part of a, a you know, it's so sad to me as a pastor. And I, you know, I've been the pastor here at Coastal now going on almost 27 years when over and over and over again I, I end up stepping aside or stepping alongside of a family who doesn't have, you know, a church home, doesn't have what many of you and I, you know, experience. And, and it's terrible. Listen, you know, you, you don't know when that's going to happen, but you don't have to be alone. I mean, it, it's so terrible. And I, you know, I get phone calls periodically just from uh, funeral homes. Hey, you know, Pastor Chris, here's a family. They don't, they don't have a church. They don't have a pastor. You know, can you come and, you know, and, and help? Let me, let me tell you what else can happen when you become a part of a, the family of God. It's as though God 
uses, again, what, what is the most, seems to be at the moment, the most difficult thing we've ever been through, and, and then he uses what we're going through as an encouragement and strength to other people. He'll use your greatest pain as your greatest opportunity for ministry. Listen, I, I don't believe that God, you know, caused the death of my father, but I do know that God has used that in my life in a powerful way. You know, Galatians 6.2 says, share each other's troubles and problems, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. In fact, that really leads me to the final way to, to face death unshakable, and it's number four, use this opportunity to share Christ. You know, a, a, as we go through these stages of grief, as we lean on others, as we draw close to God, let me share this as well. It's okay in those moments to talk about your faith. In fact, I think that's a great opportunity. Faith brings comfort. Faith brings healing. Again, I've now been the pastor here at Coastal for a, for a long time, and I've been at the bedside of more people than I can count who are in the process of dying. And I can just tell you this. There is a tremendous difference between someone who dies without Christ and someone who dies with him. And I've seen that difference. And I want to tell you, it motivates me. It motivates me even more to want to talk to people about Christ. To use the opportunity when death does come up and eternal things come up. You know, to talk about our faith, to talk about, about Jesus. And, and God can sometimes even bring good out of a bad situation when we are using that opportunity you know, to talk to others about Christ. Death gives us an opportunity to do that, to point people toward God. Listen, everybody in this room, you know, I, I, I've said this before, the death rate here in this country, it still hovers right around 100%, okay? We're all gonna die. You know, and here in Charleston, we all know what's gonna happen, right? You know, we're all gonna die. You're gonna call up Pastor Chris. You're gonna want me to do your funeral because I'm gonna outlive all of you, right? You know? And uh, we're, you're going to call up Sturs or McAllisters or one of those, you know. We're, we're, we're all going to, you know, go to the funeral, and then we're all going to come back to your house, and we're going to eat potato salad and fried chicken, right? I mean, that's, that's what we're going to do. It's certain. We're all going to face it. And yet, it gives us this opportunity to remind people of the hope that we do have. In fact, look at this next verse with me. It's Philippians 1.21. The Apostle Paul is, you know, really at this stage in his, in his life where he knows that death is near. And look what he says. He says, for me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If, I, if I'm going to live, man, I'm living for Jesus. My life is about him, and when I die, to die is gain. Because you know that when someone passes away who is a believer, man, they do gain. Just a glimpse, just a little peephole of heaven would change everybody in this room instantly. They gain. They gain all of heaven. They gain all of eternity. You know, here's the big secret. The big secret about Christianity. Christianity is, is not only the best way to live, you know, we talk about that a lot here at Coastal, right? Because there's more to life. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But you know what? It's also the best way to die. It is the best way to die. While death is certain for every believer, death is certain, but it's not final. 
There's a hope we have. There's an expectation. There's a reward. There's a comfort found in knowing that all of this side of of earth, it's just a grain, just one little grain of sand on the beach of eternity. All of heaven is waiting. And the truth about the reality of heaven not only comforts us when we know that a loved one has passed on, it challenges us. I think it should. It challenges us to tell people that are still living, to tell our friends, to tell our family, to tell them about Jesus. It's an opportunity to talk about him. Because as Christians, we know death is certain, but the sting of death, the Bible says, has been removed. In fact, listen to 1 Corinthians 15. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For, for sin is the sting that results in death, and law gives sin its power. How we thank God who, listen to this, gives us victory over sin and death through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, as believers, we have victory over death. Death will come, but there will be no sting because It is just simply a passing through from this life to the next. And for me, listen, for me, that motivates me to tell as many people as possible about the good news of Jesus. I've turned to that psalm so many times in so many funeral messages, and I always end it by saying this. That psalm, the 23rd psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. I share that, that psalm. I've read that so many times. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. But I say that psalm, that psalm loses everything. Listen to me. It loses all of its power, all of its punch without one word. One word. The Lord is my, my shepherd. Let me say this. If you have never turned your life over to Jesus, why not today? Here's what will happen. Jesus will forgive you. That's what you need. Forgiveness, we all do. We need a Savior. He'll forgive you of every sin. He'll give you a new purpose for life, passion for living. And then he will give you the assurance of heaven. If you have never turned your life over to Christ, what are you waiting on? You can do that today. You can open up your life to him today. Again, we are all going to face the death of of a loved one. But not only that, we're all going to die. Are you prepared for that? You can be. Bow your heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, um, thank you for being real to me and my family. Uh, This week and over the years of my life, thank you 
I have personally learned the truth of this message. We are all going to die. We're all going to face the death of a loved one. Thank you, God, that I can build my life on the solid foundation of a personal relationship with you through Christ. Listen, if you're here right now and you're going through this storm, you don't have to do it alone. There are people here that want to help you. There is hope, there is help, and there is healing. Ultimately, it comes from our Savior. Turn to him right now. Draw close to him. It's so simple. He is waiting on you. The the road back to God, it's not difficult. It's not long. If you will simply turn away from your sin and turn toward him, he will run to you with open arms and welcome you home. Cry out to him right now. Say, Father, I do believe. I want to come home. I believe that Jesus is your son, my savior. I ask him to come into my life. I believe that he died on that cross for me. I believe that three days later, as much as I understand, as much as I know, I believe three days later he rose from the dead to prove his power over sin and death. And he is alive. He has power over the storm, over death. I believe it. I put all my hope all my trust in him and him alone, not in my goodness, not in religion, in nothing, in nothing but him. And Father, now for the rest of my days, I want to follow him. I want to become more and more like you now see me today, God, forgiven, brand new, clean. And Father, I have a home in heaven. Thank you. Thank you for that. And God, I pray, again, I pray for healing and and strength for those who are right now in the middle of the storm. And I pray for all of us as, as the church, that may we really be the church, that those all around us, God, who go through this, may we be ready, may we be ready just to be there to help them through this process. Not to say, not to give them, you know, two cent answers for these million dollar questions that they're going through. But could we be a listening ear? Could we be a supporting shoulder? Could we just love and point them toward you? Father, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for loving us the way you do. I pray all these things today in the powerful name of Jesus. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.